0: welcome to the rg podcast network and the rg business navigate series this podcast presents topical global business stories that affect bermuda series host shivani seth interviews business leaders and experts in finance insurance reinsurance risk accounting and other business services enjoy the podcast Welcome to the RG Business Navigate series. I'm Shivani Sate, and I'm your host. Today, we are doing the full financial outlook for 2023, as well as a review of 2022. I'm excited to welcome my guests, Jonathan Kent, business writer, and Nathan Kowalski, President of the Chamber of Commerce. Welcome to you both.
1: Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: So we met, I think, almost a year ago to the day to, um, to talk about the exact same, same problems that arose for 2022. So I'm really looking forward to today's review and discussing with both of you where we stand now. Um, so the, the world has, has witnessed an amazing amount of change during this year. I think we've successfully come out of COVID. I know there are still cases that continue, but certainly life seems to be resuming a little bit more normally uh, so if I begin perhaps talking about inflation rates, I think that's really uh, taking that elephant out of the room because it's a huge, huge topic that's affecting us. It, they've certainly rocked everyday life in Bermuda. And as an island, we re- rely entirely on shipping, everyday goods. And we see our supermarket prices soaring, construction costs are rising. So perhaps if I pose a question to you, Nathan, um, initially, can I ask you, is the inflation rate stated as four point five percent in July 2022 accurate, in your opinion?
2: Right, great question. Um, I know chamber members are very concerned with inflation. It's something that comes up a lot, um, and um, I think it's important to maybe look at it in, in, a, in a certain uh, framework, right? So, is the four point seven I think that came out in August now is okay. that the correct is that the correct number? Uh, um, Maybe. So here's the thing. It's (laughs) not that the calculation is probably being done incorrectly. What is happening is you have a lot of the figures are being uh, produced with weights that are based on the 2013 Household Expenditure Survey. Okay. And so I think what's a, a big part of that calculation is maybe those weights aren't 100% correct, right? So if we updated those weights to how people consume today versus what they did in 2013, I think the, the dynamics would shift the calculation significantly, right, in some, ca- some categories. Healthcare, for example, was 13% in 2013. Mm-hmm. I feel like that number is probably a bit higher um, given the inflation rates that have happened in healthcare and what we've seen in, in that kind of creep, so I think you know if you had to dynamically weight that percentage of what people are paying yes. for healthcare, that's going to be higher. And it, as that rate has gone up, that will have a more prominent effect on on the CPI calculation. Um, the other component I think that seems odd to me, and uh, and maybe it's just myself, and uh, but the rent CPI, which is about twenty seven percent of the CPI. The private side of that seems to be indicating that rents are falling. Um, okay. And I have a I'm hard time believing Yeah, I have a hard time <laughs> believing that that piece is correct. So directionally, I mean, we could argue whether they're going up one percent or two percent, but I don't think they're falling. Okay. Um, and, and this is just from my conversation with people in industry and some anecdotal evidence again, which is not really statistical. But it just doesn't seem to jive with what kind of we're seeing, especially when you consider kind of inventory levels and other things that people have been discussing. So I think that's a big one um, um to to really kind of note. and then the other f- the one other factor I'll quickly add here is that our cPI lags right? Mm-hmm. We import everything like you mentioned um, just a second ago. Um, we tend to follow the U.S. with a little bit of a lag. Yes. We did a kind of regression analysis since 1970, and definitely there's some correlation there, and it just does lag. So, you know, if you look at that, what that trend is, I think we're just still going to kind of catch up to the U.S. at some point.
0: Okay, and just a quick point before we carry on. In the statistics from 2013 that you mentioned, what would it take to update those?
2: It would take a new household expenditure survey. So it's something the government's going to have to spend the resources on okay. to, get the, to get those new weights. So it is something they're going to have to be committed to, which I think is important because it will frame a lot of things we're discussing today, including the minimum wage. But we're going to get into a conversation at some point of a living wage. And I don't think without that data, we really can have an educated conversation. I mean, we need to really figure out Nowadays, what Bermudians and what we're all spending yes. on the island versus what it was in 2013. We need to have that, those figures. Yes. So I think it'll, it'll inform a more kind of educated discussion if we can get that done.
0: Okay. And Jonathan, any words on inflation?
2: Well,
1: I think uh, anecdotally, most of us would say that our own expenses have gone up perhaps 10%. Okay. And uh, speaking to Michael Neff, who's uh, Um, managing director at Butterfield Bank for Bermuda, he says that their estimation is that it's gone up about 10% or even north of that. Right. Uh, So that was an interesting perspective and obviously when you look at food, you look at fuel, electricity, all of those things are undeniably at double digits. Yes. Uh, And uh, so the, the rent, I agree with Nathan, seems to be a bit of an anomaly Because I did speak to some real estate people who say that the rental market is very, very hot. Yes. And that there's particular demand for certain types of property. Um, Affordable housing is one, sub $3,000 a month. Family units with two bedrooms, that's very much in demand. (laughs) In fact, he said if you put up a block of 20 of those today, he could fill it within one day. Wow. And so, wow. Th- the right kind of properties that come up. He's seen, uh, I think, 76 inquiries in one day for one particular property and okay. 21 viewings. Mm-hmm. So, th- there's clearly massive demand there. And when there you is. have that kind of demand, then usually uh, supply f- should follow. Yes. So, hopefully, some people will see investment opportunities there and,
0: and start uh, investing into those properties. Yeah. And family oh.
1: homes is the other area where there's a, a big shortage too. Okay. Of course, I'm sure we'll talk about that later.
0: Yes, we certainly will. I mean, you know, regarding our everyday life, where the impacts, as we've just discussed, are really being felt, do you feel that either of you, are there any signs of these costs normalising, or are we to expect worse as we head into 2023?
1: Well, uh, I think, you know, we we talk about importing inflation, and so you have to look overseas to see what's happening. Okay. And there are some signs that uh, perhaps inflation may st- be just starting to uh, soften <laughs> a little. I hope so. I mean, oil has gone down, for example, from where it was in, in June. Yes. Which is, uh, by about a third to where it is now, which, I mean, if the Ukraine war stopped, that would help, but I don't think there are any signs of that happening anytime soon. Um, and food prices in grocery stores in the U.S. are up between 11 and 12%. Okay. But the uh, U.S. Economic Research Service is predicting next year a rise of 2.5 to 3.5 percent. Is so still going up, but stabilizing. Okay. So hopefully that that signals that maybe some of the drivers of inflation are starting to a small glimmer of hope.
2: Yeah, we, yeah, we're starting to see that um, some of that stuff bend over again. Commodity prices are down. Food uh, food input prices are down freight rates are back basically to 2019 levels. so right. we are seeing good signs of moderation in inflation. Okay. A lot of it seems to be on the demand side, not as much on the service side. I think that lags a little bit. Um, but again since we import a lot of this stuff that that does help in in terms of moderating that uh, going forward. Um, and the last print in the. US seemed to indicate that's so- softening a little bit so hopefully that trend continues.
0: And we aren't lagging too far behind in feeling that (laughs) impact. That's that's right, yeah. Um, Okay, so I think what marries with inflation, naturally, are interest rates. With the continuing rise in interest rates, what are the impacts on the banks here in Bermuda and its customers? You mentioned, Jonathan, actually, that you spoke with um, Michael Neff at Bank of Butterfield, or Butterfield Bank, rather. What what are the feelings there?
1: Well, I asked him whether there was any stress showing in the loan book yet. He, He said no. Okay. But he, it, there's a lagging effect. Now, uh, when they announce uh, an increase in uh, the rates for for lending, then, then th- th- there's about a three month effect, a uh, wait before that starts to feed into, okay. into what, what you see. Uh, so he expects that to happen. He expects people to struggle, and um, there are uh, some areas he's particularly concerned about. He talks about small and medium sized businesses, who are most um, vulnerable to inflation. Okay. Uh, that's where he sees the potential for uh, difficulties in the future. Um,
0: And any sort of silver linings to rising interest rates? Dare I even ask that question?
1: Well, the big insurance companies here have billions of dollars invested. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they could lend us some. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So they they invest a lot in fixed income securities and they should be able to make a few more basis points out of those huge portfolios, which translates into... Quite a few million dollars onto their Indeed. Uh, profitability, so uh, hopefully some of the expense accounts for the, the people working for them will go up a little <laughs> bit, and that will feed into the local economy. Okay. So um,
0: perhaps a question for Nathan: You know, what do you feel are the future prospects for the Bermuda economy? We well,
2: uh, that's a huge question sorry I'm surprised we're hitting <laughs> that right away um, in terms of interest rates we'll ju- keep it rates. just okay. interest rates i th- well i think we follow again globally what's happening um in the u.s especially so the trajectory there will kind of determine our rate, rate trajectory as well so um federal reserve looks like they're still set on a course to raise rates into 2023 i don't think we've seen peak rates now what will happen is just really going to be predicated on ho- how good of a job they do on breaking inflation. Okay. And then that can lead to a, a, a reversal, possibly, um, if we have a recession next year, which the odds are pretty high, unfortunately, you know, looking forward into the U.S., if not Europe's in a recession right now. So we could see some plateauing of rates, possibly cuts, depending on how bad things are, and we're okay. just going to follow that along.
0: We'll see yeah. what happens. Yeah. Okay. Um, There's been a lot in the press uh, about the government's intention to raise the working population by 25%. So according to the latest statistics, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, Bermuda's economy has contracted by 1.7% in the second quarter of this year. The Minister of Economy has said that the figures are distorted by inflationary pressure. Um, You know, Firstly, Nathan, you're a big stats guy. Mm. What's your feeling on this? You know, we had a very good discussion about the accuracy of statistics last year. Do you feel yeah. that's that's true?
2: Yeah, so it, it kind of would be intellectually dishonest to not suggest that inflation does af- is a, as an issue, but then it doesn't affect GDP. So, yes, it does affect GDP. Yeah, I, think, I think maybe with the lesson I'd like to let our listeners in on or something to focus on is When we report GDP, the focus should really be on the real side, which takes out that inflationary component, right? Okay. So I'll just use a simple example. If prices went up 10% and your GDP went up 10%, what does that tell you? Just basically tells you, you're not really producing anymore, <laughs> just costs way more. No one really wants that, right? That's not yeah. such an awesome situation for an economy to have just prices go up, and that's what's driving your GDP. So always try to really focus on that real number to get a real sense of the overall health of the economy in Bermuda. So you do have to take into uh, account inflation. It's an important component. Okay. Um, so, yeah, th- I, I, I think you can't really gloss over that. It, it's, it, is, what it, it is. is what it is. It is what it is, right.
0: So a year ago, we actually discussed one of the government's ERP initiatives, and that was to expand Bermuda's resident population. I note from recent articles as well that the government's intention is to get an estimated 8,400 extra people working over the next five years. Obviously, this is crucial as we have, you know, we have the aging population, the baby boomers leaving the workforce, and ultimately it feels that there are more people taking from the system and fewer paying into it. How do you feel, perhaps, Jonathan, how is that advancing? Are we, are, we, are we going to be on track to achieve this?
1: I'm not sure. We haven't heard a lot about the strategy to make it happen. Okay. And that, the people I spoke to in various sectors have said they would like to see that happen, more details and some action. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, the government cannot achieve this alone. That's an enormous number.
0: It is a huge task. A, to, a
1: target, which is achievable, perhaps but uh, it needs the private sector involved, it needs a roadmap, it needs clear ideas on uh, immigration, how many people in different roles do you need.
0: So a clear-cut strategy on how they're going to execute this. Yeah. Um, And it
1: needs a a proactive strategy as well. You can't say, we want all these people to come in, and remember that includes Bermudians who are overseas. You have to give them a reason to come back. It's so you need businesses generating jobs and demand in the economy.
3: Okay.
2: It's, it's going to come down to job. I guess it's interesting. You know, one of the first things you, you realize if you have a problem is that you have a problem. And it's nice to see that kind of formalized paper come out. Although Jonathan knows I wrote about this in 2014. So (laughs) we've we've been discussing this for some time. I mean, you know, it's up 10 years. Yeah. So that's not really the new thing that, you know, the important thing is job growth, right? Job growth is really what we're kind of talking about here to bring people back and and create a more uh, a growing economy. Um, if I had to choose, to be honest, one statistic, if you said to me one stat, Nathan, is the only stat you're allowed to use to gauge how well we're doing, that would be my stat. It would okay. really be just job growth. I mean, if if what you're planning on doing and all the policies and things, if it's not really focused on that, um, I think it's not going to be as effective. I think that's the key to fix the denominator problem we have, right, where we have these... Um, escalating entitlement payments whether it's pensions healthcare everything and we have a shrinking pool of workers that are paying for yes. it and this is this is the problem we all know that um, that this burden gets shared amongst less and less people so the job growth is is critical so I I'd like dug into a little bit of I, I'm a nerd as everyone knows I kind of <laughs> dug into the Register general's kind of facts on just births and deaths and what I did is I I said what is the kind of the true underlying Bermudian kind of birth death rate right so one uh birth by one bur- Bermudian parent at least and then I kind of looked at deaths and I took out expats whatever okay. and um I was showing that um in 2021 we had 380 births and 724 uh 724 deaths and so but the numbers between the two have been growing bigger and bigger in yes. terms of deaths and births and that gap is continuing to widen right at that at an accelerating rate. Now, unfortunately, some of that was COVID, but it had been expanding a little bit before that already. And so we're kind of at a crucial uh, time now where we've been talking about this, and that's now time to get to some solutions and really work on them as fast as possible. Um, Because, again, job figures have not been good since 2012. Jobs are down about 12%. Mm -hmm. So we need to kind of reverse all this and get moving in the right direction for sure.
0: No, certainly, and as, as you're mentioning quite rightly, increasing the population does have a natural impact on recruitment, something that you certainly, Nathan, are hoping that we do increase. What is the view from recruiters? You know, are work permits being granted in a more timely fashion? What's the view on, regarding the war on talent? Jonathan, have you met with anybody recently? And could you said, shed some light for us?
1: I have, actually. As, as part of this uh, business outlook, we had a, a round table with three recruiters. Uh, they were very gung-ho about the government's idea to bring more working people here. Obviously, it it does benefit them. Uh, But they did have a few question marks about how it's going to happen. Work permit processing is one of those uh, those areas where there's a question mark. Uh, I mean, in designated... Well, people with designations, the accountants, actuaries... Yes. The work permit processing seems to be quicker. I think for the
0: actuaries, it's even quicker at the moment. Those, that's right, that's yes.
1: right, yeah. Um, but for the most part, they're taking about 10 to 12 weeks to be processed. Okay. They're saying that's not bad historically, but it gives people time to think, well, do we really need to have this role in Bermuda? Okay. Uh, or can we get it done remotely, for example? Right. And uh, for the recruited person, they, they have doubts in their mind as, as it gets into a third month. Okay. Uh, and so th- they're saying, what they would like to see is more hands on deck at immigration, and t- to regard this as a matter of urgency.
3: Okay. Um,
2: yeah, we're seeing sim- sim- ther- similar kind of complaints a little bit from chamber members. That's definitely a concern is the the permitting process and the delays. We've heard stories of like something being printed incorrectly, and so we're kind of starting way over to get it oh reprinted. Gosh. So you're you're having these errors. So I. I I would encourage more resources in that regard as well to to facilitate that. I mean, if we're really serious about bringing bodies to the island, the last thing you want to do is make it a difficult process. Again, number one priority, bring those people here. We don't want to be uncompetitive from that standpoint and lose that job. We
0: need to remove those barriers. I mean, I did read recently in the news, and you might know more about this, Nathan, being Canadian, but they had mentioned that Canada is looking for 1.5 million people to move to Canada, but they seem to have zero barriers. Yeah. And they're just welcoming them in. And I wonder, is there something that we could do like that?
2: And that's a competitive advantage there, right? Um, but you mentioned the war on talent, and that is a crucial thing. This war on talent's been going on for a while. It's now just going to accelerate because the demographics globally are not so attractive, right? You got okay. a lot of places like Europe, China, and everywhere that are rolling over in terms of their demographic uh, numbers and growth. And they know, just like everyone else, that they need to kind of plug that gap by bringing in talented individuals to sustain the economy and and create, you know, more jobs and and drive aggregate demand. So we're competing with everyone else, and that's just going to get fiercer and fiercer. So part of our strategy needs to acknowledge that and look at our competitiveness globally in terms of immigration, for sure.
0: Okay. Well, thank you. So, you know, can we talk a little bit about the main pillars of Bermuda's economy, moving to international business, tourism and fintech, the up-and-coming digital asset economy. So perhaps if I start with international business, recruit, but a little bit more about recruitment and housing and, and what's happening in that space, what are the main threats and opportunities to inter- international business as we look towards 2023?
1: Well, uh, I could talk a little bit about the, uh, the War for Talent because again, the recruiters were saying that that, that is getting quite fierce now, um, and compensation packages are going through the roof is how they described it. OK. Um, but they're saying 10 to 15 percent higher than a year ago mm-hmm. for certain roles, you know, the most in-demand roles. Uh, so and housing, as you just mentioned, is a, is a serious issue. There is a shortage of uh, the family homes that attract executives who may be able to uh, create jobs build teams around them so right. that they're, they're important for bermuda going far beyond the needs of that family um and they're saying in some cases they 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 bring in an executive they've only got one or two homes to show them that's right yeah. and that is they, they say that's not a tenable situation uh, their ideas that they suggest that many homes are dilapidated Caught in family trust situations, uh, that could be renovated. That, that's part of the solution, okay. potentially. Um, and of course, you have the Airbnb situation. I looked on Airbnb yesterday and put Bermuda in the search engine, and 482 properties came up.
0: Wow! I mean, Gosh, have, that's a lot.
1: Only 25 of them were three-bedroom houses, though. Okay. Um, but but there is clearly a need for for more housing, and that's. That's a big question, of course, for Bermuda to answer.
0: Because how can we increase our population if we have nowhere to put them? That,
2: yeah, it's chicken and egg there, yeah. I agree. <laughs> I mean, Riddles Bay is probably the last one that I can think of that's a major kind of housing development that's ongoing right now, which should add a little bit of supply. I think if we want to just touch on that quickly, yes, um, we might not be able to build out, like, as much as we want we might have to c- start focusing on building up and one of the things i'd like to see and i think a lot of people would like to see is more of a vibrant livable city say in hamilton okay uh, which would involve which would it you know require a lot of investment in some maybe higher end condos and lofts and stuff like that yes. within the city to drive population within the city and make it more of a you know overall dynamic city and increase that housing stock so that might be an option we don't have a lot of obviously uh, investment in that right now so it's a potential source it's a potential yeah.
0: no definitely um so throughout 2022 i've had fruitful discussions with guests on global minimum tax esg climate change uh, perhaps a question for you nathan how do you feel bermuda is placed for 2023 with regards to each one in turn so
2: on the i'll, I'll just touch on the tax one first um i think a part of that is outside of our hands right um It's really going to be predicated on what happens on the the global minimum, people agreeing on that global minimum tax. It doesn't really look like they're there. Uh, A number of EU members are not into it. U.S. has now got a kind of divided Congress. I'm not quite sure where they're going to go with that tax policy. Um, We don't want to be a first mover on that. Um, obviously, for competitive <laughs> reasons, right? So We're watching. So, so we're watching. So it, that's not really something we can really, um, you know, affect. Uh, we're kind of just. It's, we're going to be more reactionary, I think, on that, on that, uh, on that aspect. Um, what was the other one? International ESG, business. ESG, ESG, and
0: climate change. And climate change.
3: Yes.
2: So in general, we have uh, the intellectual capital here, right? Mm-hmm. Uh We have all the resources. That, to me, seems like a piece of low-hanging fruit that we should grab in terms of that next evolution in the market. Uh, BDA is all over that as well, pushing that internationally. Yes. Um, An easy way to help expand the economy to get into another line of business, which you already have, right? It's not like we're recreating the wheel here. We're just using uh, existing resources. So I think that is actually a positive um, potential uh, piece for Bermuda's economy going forward, actually, yeah.
0: And then in terms of po- of opportunities, are there any particular sectors within IB that have high growth potential for 2023?
2: I think life is one of them. Mm-hmm. If I had to, you know, check a box, life continues to grow. It's been a great source of job growth for Bermuda in yes. IB. And again, we have that natural set of talent and resources here. We just continue to expand that. I think that's one of the ones I can see off the top of my head. Jonathan?
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Life uh, is obviously propelled by... The, the forces around the world demand for yes. uh, retirement products and uh, protection of those.
0: And when I actually had a guest on from Bill to mm. talking again about recruitment, one of the issues is there aren't enough people with experience in the life marketplace, so perhaps we can increase uh, recruitment and, you know, bodies on the island through that area.
1: Of course, uh, P&C reinsurers are, are doing quite well. Catastrophe rates are okay. Are climbing. Um, and uh, climate change is, is creating demand for what they do, yes. their expertise. Um, and uh, you look at cyber, mortgage, casualty, mm-hmm. all those areas are, are growing in Bermuda.
0: And perhaps the captive industry too. And indeed, the captive another industry interesting, is interesting a area. market drives yes. interest in
1: self-insurance, indeed.
2: Yeah, we're kind of lucky because a lot of those aspects of the economy globally and we're part of it are actually doing quite well. They're more defensive, insurance industry in, in general. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we're seeing, you know, premium prices should be quite hard and going into January. So it, it does that actually does bode well for, for Bermuda, and, too. And
0: it's very clear through several conversations I've had with various guests is that we are underpinned, as a jurisdiction, we're underpinned by the Bermuda Monetary Authority, which is fantastic, which is unusual again, a very attractive piece for coming to the island. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, that's a point—a good point because, uh, obviously, if, if our tax advantage is uh, minimised by the global minimum tax, we need to focus on our other competitive elements. Okay. And uh, regulation is clearly one of those. Yes,
0: yes. Yeah. Um, so if I hone in a little bit on the advancements in ESG, you spoke a little bit, um, Nathan, about the BDA... What, you know, what are the advancements in Bermuda becoming a world leader in climate risk management?
2: What are the chances? Chances yeah. are good for us, I'd say, again, because we have that intellectual capital, the background, okay. uh, resources. I think, like what I just said, I think we, we have a good chance of being a, a global leader in that. Um, and I think it's something we need to continue to pursue, to be honest.
0: And Jonathan, have you met with anybody regarding climate change or the focus for 2023 on the island?
1: Yeah, I've spoken with uh, a lot of people about that and there's a, f- a strong feeling that we're really well positioned. Okay. I mean, look at the track record. Since Hurricane Andrew, all the reinsurers were set up, then we created a solution to a crisis uh, and, of course, extreme weather is is the big issue Yes. <laughs> now and w- our expertise has developed over the years and we have an excellent claims-paying track record Okay. Uh, and uh, I think naturally a, a good fit for that kind of business
3: okay
0: thank you i think i'm going to move on to fintech now <laughs> the recent shockwaves of um the ftx so after the very recent crash of a major bahamas based cryptocurrency trader are we to believe that the ftx has collapsed i mean you know it was quite quite shocking when i read that myself what and what does it mean for bermuda
2: yeah, I think, I think the news is still tricking, trickling out on all the details. This is quite a complicated web of intricacies involved mm-hmm. in the crypto space, right? Um, I think it's, it's pretty clear that the company has collapsed. Um, you're still starting to see some bodies wash onshore, um, and I think that's, that process is going to happen for a little while. Uh, you know, some of the comments made by the liquidator pretty shocking um, in terms of controls and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's pretty messy. Locally, we do have some companies from my understanding that are somewhat affected or, or connected in some ways to the fallout. Um, I won't mention any names, nothing's really official yet, but I think we're probably likely to see, um, again, some other dislocations that kind of wash out on this, um, as it, as it evolves, it's quite a big story. I think it was $32, 35 billion at 35000000000 at the peak. Right. Literally evaporated in a month. So, um, yeah, it's a bit shocking. Yeah, there's, been,
0: there's been a huge drive from the government, especially to embrace digital business here in Bermuda. So I wonder, have we lost confidence? What, what, how do you feel, Jonathan? I think
1: surely the whole industry uh, will have lost confidence through this because the, the guy in charge there, Sam Bankman-Freed, was supposed to be one of the good guys, you know, <laughs> okay. uh, and so finding an $8 billion hole in his balance sheet is is a major, major shock. Uh, but I think one of the things that comes out of it is that there's a clear need for regulation of okay. this sector like there is for any other financial asset. And Bermuda is, has done very well in that respect in setting up a, a regulatory framework and. Perhaps when the shockwaves you know, calm down and, and uh, people uh, begin to, to get interested again, uh, Bermuda might be well placed as a, a, a strong regulated uh, jurisdiction.
0: So we sh- certainly shouldn't write it off just yet because we have our regulatory authority which the Bahamas doesn't have, sorry to point that out. So no, 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 there are still many
1: central a- banks around the world looking to create their own stablecoin, digital currency. Okay. And I think the momentum for that will still be there. You know, transaction fees, credit cards and banks are quite high and that they could eat into this, make the whole financial system more uh, efficient. Okay. That's uh, maybe the the cryptocurrencies and some of the, you know, the the doggy coins and that kind of uh, thing. (laughs) There might be a big loss of confidence in the more speculative areas.
3: Okay.
0: Well, I look forward to seeing what happens in 2023 with that. Let's move on to tourism. Uh, what's happening to tourism and hospitality in Bermuda? Recovery, certainly the optics look good. It seems to be prevailing. Air travel is up almost three times on 2021 levels. There seems to be a big cruise ship rebound coming next year. So tell me, both of you, know, how do you feel we're, we are faring for, for tourism and can we actually manage? What How is our infrastructure looking for 2023?
2: Yeah, so... Lots to unpack on tourism for us, obviously. Um, i like to look at it on the 2019 level, though, not year over year, because we kind of, was okay. really depressed numbers there. So they're all going to look awesome when, <laughs> you know, when you're zero and you double, you know, it's pretty good. But I guess you can't really double zero. Sorry, bad math. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that those numbers always are going to look good from a, such a depressed base. So if we look at 2019, we're about, I think, the numbers I was seeing is about seventy five percent ish of of that number, maybe fifty percent of that, sorry, of that number, pre-COVID levels for residents. And then uh business travels about fifteen where it used to be twenty percent overall numbers. Okay. So we're all, we're kinda climbing back out of there. I think though in general in tourism what we're seeing is a little bit um, chicken and egg in terms of airlift and beds. Um, I'm sure Jonathan will touch on this as well, but you know, without South P, we've lost about seven hundred beds. So that's a 12. huge, yeah, yeah, huge chunk of demand there or potential demand. And that you get the airlift back, you need the beds to get the beds, and it, it kind of goes around in a circle, right? Yes. Um, so that kind of needs to be solved. Uh, South P is a huge. Huge Wh- driver, huge. Change Where are we on right. that?
0: What, what uh, stage it's are unclear.
2: We at? I mean, the details <laughs> are not out. I think what happened, though, to be fair, is that with inflation and rates and everything, the math around that deals shifted uh, significantly, okay. and so you know that's going to have to be worked out um, and see how viable it is with you know with everything shifting the way it is, right? Um, so hopefully it does because that's a critical asset. We need we need to get that going. The pin action off South P is big too, right? Not just South P and beds. It's like the convention stuff, the events. You know, all the things that surround mm-hmm. it is such a huge asset. So, and again, it also helps drive airlift. If they can see the potential, then they can add more airlift as well. So, it, okay. it's it's a it's an important thing. It's you know the existing inventory is getting filled. Like when we have multiple events, we had tech of that tech conference, or yes. tech weeks, sorry, yes. and then we had PJ. I think was a similar week. And, you know, I was hearing things that it's tough to find a hotel. I mean, we're filling up all the hotels when we have stuff going on. Okay. So we, d- we are bumping up against inventory constraints sometimes as well if we have multiple events and, and big things going on. So uh, it would be nice to increase that inventory.
0: And Jonathan, what have you found out for us on tourism?
1: <laughs> well, um, obviously the Fairmont Southampton leads the conversation on that. There's yes. a real need for that to come back. Um, over the 800 jobs but also the demand it creates from tourists for uh, tourist related products on the island okay um but but cruise ships are an interesting area uh that there are 223 visits uh, scheduled for 2023 which is a big increase from 2019.
0: what were they in 2019 remind me 180 something like that that's quite significant
1: it is, and including 24 in the first quarter, which is unheard of. So th- there's <laughs> obviously a lot of pent-up demand along yes. cruises, uh, But the issue is, what are they going to do when they come here? Because a lot of the businesses that uh, looked after those passengers gave them excursions, tour boats, right, that kind of thing, were effectively mothballed for the best part of two years. Mm-hmm. and And so asking them to ramp up for a... A bigger cruise ship uh, year than and happened pre-COVID is asking a lot, and so I know I, I've heard that some of them are struggling to find staff, and and so so this this is the issue I think that we need to make sure those passengers have a good time
0: so that they come back again and tell everyone about us exactly. <laughs> and yeah. in terms of the restaurants, are they 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 seem to be suffering from similar problems, staffing issues? Will they be? Able, will we? will they be able to cope with the increase in visitors next year?
1: Well, again, staffing is an issue for them at trying to ramp up from this this awful period. Um, But uh, they also talked about remote work because they're saying that, you know, even if people are on a hybrid system now where they're they're working from home two or three days a week, uh, you can't sell that person lunch in, in town. No, that's right. You can't ask them to... come to dinner afterwards. Actually
0: as you mentioned that a word on the hybrid workplace it certainly seems busier on the roads in the morning are people now coming back to town do you feel are they coming back to their offices I know from talking to certain employers they have struggled to get staff back because it's obviously incredibly comfortable to be working from home Uh, how do you you know how do you see that because are we continuing in a hybrid model or do you think eventually it'll be back to Monday to Friday business as usual? I th-
2: I, th- I feel like, and again, I don't I have no stats on this uh, per okay. se, but I feel like people are coming back to the office, and it is getting busier in town, and that is becoming a drive to get people back in. I think people like the social aspect of it. Yes, I do think though that the kind of hybrid system that we've developed, I don't think that's going away, in some shape or form. I mean, there might be some flexibility more so around uh, work in terms of how many days people come in. Okay, um, but. Uh, I do feel that people appreciate coming in and having that, going but back to normal. I say this in brackets, going back to normal in terms of the work environment. But I do think there will be a piece of that that remains the flex, flex kind of time. But I also feel
0: it's important to encourage everybody back to the city, in inverted commas, because without that, obviously, as you just mentioned, Jonathan, you know the restaurants aren't getting their usual lunch trade. So they're struggling. How do they make their ends meet? Do they cater for that? Do they bring in the food and then have nobody coming? So I think there's, there's work that we can do within Bermuda before even looking outside and trying to get more people here. Certainly yes. the people on the island, I feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, that, you know, if we were to make a greater effort to get everybody in town on a more regular basis, the businesses around would flourish.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah certainly if you... Um Well, doing the schoolroom from Warwick or looking for a parking (laughs) space in Hamilton. (laughs) uh, I've got to say, it looks like a a lot of people are coming back. Okay. Uh, But I I think also there is a a danger for Bermuda in uh, too much emphasis on remote work solutions. Right. Um, I I heard from the recruiters, for example, that uh, some um, candidates for jobs with Bermuda companies were asking... To actually do the job from wherever they were in the Gosh, world, okay, from yeah. Canada, from British right. Virgin Islands, even from California. Although the time difference okay. wasn't mm-hmm. was not be horrendous, but uh, she said they they fully expected to get these positions, and two of them actually did.
2: Yeah. Wow! Um, if you if you don't need to do your job in Hamilton, you can do it from Halifax. That's what's the saying that's kind mm-hmm. of going around, right? So yeah, that is that's definitely a risk, right? So if you're a high cost jurisdiction too, um, you might be at a, uh, that's, some, something they have. That's why getting those people here as seamlessly so, as possible with no right. frictions is so important so that, again, we're not double-thinking about where we can source certain
0: positions. Right? And perhaps I should have asked earlier, where are we placed with our digital nomads? Are they, are they here? Are the numbers increasing? Are they decreasing? Do you have any information on that, Jonathan?
1: Well, I think there are fewer than there were. Okay. And, and many of them stayed for nine months for a year is what, what uh, realtors told me. Okay. Uh, But there are a few who decided to stay longer. Right. Uh, So again, whether that's having an impact on what's available for (laughs) for rentals, for people coming here to work, I don't know. That that may be a, a dynamic to watch.
0: Okay. Well, thank you. So finally, really, 2023 is approaching at a very fast pace what are the economic outlook or for, or what is the economic outlook for Bermuda? And I'd like each of you to comment on this. So this is my big one, Nathan. Here it is. I'll let Jonathan we We'll start go with first. Jonathan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let me know. what <laughs> What's it looking like? I'd say tough
1: year ahead. Okay. Uh, I think international business will continue to thrive, particularly the reinsurance insurance sector. Uh, but I think local businesses will be facing struggles and for them, they'll see their input prices going up because of inflation, and their staff asking for pay rises. And at the, it's, for them, it will be a question of whether they can pass those costs on to their customers and maintain their sales. You know, because okay. if you're selling essential goods like food, then you can do that; you can get away with it. But if you're I- uh, selling discretionary items, then you may uh, you may struggle. Uh, so. I mean, I hope that inflation tails off sooner rather than later. Okay. And again, the, the bank told me that they expect that to happen and that uh, by the end of next year, perhaps, interest rates may be starting to fall.
0: Okay. Which would be uh, very welcome. So perhaps a tough start. Yep. Okay, Nathan. That's,
2: well, that's a good. That's a really good summary. I don't think you need me to add anything, <laughs> I think Jonathan. No, but that, that's really good. I, th- I think that's fair. I think we are starting to see what we have seen. Sorry, not starting to see. We have seen for some time a bifurcation in the economy, right? In terms of IB and, and the local domestic economy. Again, local domestic economy is getting hit a little bit harder with the inflation side, like Jonathan mentioned, but also just aggregate demand side. From the reduced population, right? Okay. And so it's like getting those bodies up, cert- getting more business w- locally, domestically helps them more directly. Whereas IB is it's a global business, right? Um, and they're all IB is able to kind of uh, absorb some wage pressure, or they have seen some significant wage pressure uh, in in terms of escalating salaries. So that's a good thing for them. Um, uh, but you're you know it's pretty competitive there. Uh, but the domestic economy is still struggling they're still trying to make up from covid and it's predicated a little bit on the bodies and tourism growing because tourism on the margin is going to be a very important factor in terms of job growth right it's a big sector that's lost a lot of jobs so some of those jobs coming back will be in the tourism side so we have to really look for that as kind of the marginal driver for growth um i wouldn't expect you know, significant GDP growth ripping through 2023, <laughs> given all that's happening in the global macro situation and inflation. But I feel like we're still digging out. So um, hopefully, okay. the, yeah, the table's so turned. perhaps
0: yeah. the message is to approach 2023 with caution.
2: Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, I'd like to thank you both. Thank you to my guests, Jonathan Kent and Nathan Kowalski, for coming on today's podcast. Um, I've been your host, Shivani Sait. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the RG Podcast Network and the RG Business Navigate Series with host Shivani Seth. Check the Royal Gazette for the next episode. Thank you for listening.